Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
is a 501c3 nonprofit civil rights organization that believes very firmly that no one ever should go to jail for a plant. And, of course, we do sort of have our focus on the cannabis plant, but probably no plant at all is any reason for anybody to go to jail. The organization, actually, I'm sitting here kind of a little tired, and this cup of joe hopefully is going to bring me back to life for the day. Kind of um, been working real hard, been focusing on getting things together and uh, personal things, business things, and things the human solution. Um, got a little time to reflect, and I was thinking back, hell, it was 10 years ago, right around now, that um, I had opened up my first uh, collective dispensary, Unit D, back in Garden Grove, California. And um, a year or so later, I got arrested for the very first time in my life at 40 years old. Found myself in handcuffs with a loss of freedom that I'd never experienced before. Thinking to myself at that moment, you know, what the heck is this all about? Why me? And all of these things, I never did anything wrong, never hurt anybody, never had a victim in my life. And I really had no idea that the road that I would be heading down, um, I had no idea that I would find a world where people had no real idea um, about how things really were, about, um, you know, the difference between something being legal and it still being a crime, the difference between something being right and you still being able to be locked up for it, the difference between um, so many things, you know, and it all, a lot of it boils down to the old adage, oh, yeah, life's fair. Um, nobody ever said it was going to be fair, but we do live in a place and a time where we can make changes, and I come to find out more or less the hard way that people can make the change, people do make the change, and it was uh about eight years ago that the human solution was formed and it was formed out of a need a need well in my opinion it was formed out of my need for help uh in my case at the time and then we come to find out pretty quickly that there's a lot of people that have cases that are that are benefited by this kind of help and you know it, it sort of spread uh it spread like wildfire uh, about four years ago when we went up to uh, Montana and the whole cannabis and the whole uh, journey for justice and um, traveling up to go help a guy that we'd never met, uh, just didn't say so. And ultimately, he did do some time, did about five years, just got out recently. And on our journey up and back, uh, we met some of the people that helped grow the organization. Uh, we planted the seeds of some of the chapters that are still strong today. Um, and the idea of people helping people in a particular way took root. Um, lit fire. I mean, I always liked the whole idea of the Las Vegas Burning Buddies chapter and the whole uh, analogy of, of, you know, the, the spirit fire going from person to person like a, like a, brush fire, forest fire, and the, unfortunately sometimes bunnies catch on fire and they bounce around and they go from bush to bush and they catch those bushes on fire. 
And, you know, when the fire is destructive, of course, it's not a good thing. But uh, when the fire is constructive, it can be an amazing thing. And I've watched this organization ebb and flow. I've watched it peak and fall. And I've watched it um, sometimes when it grew with the most people, it also had the most chaos. Um, and sometimes when it was smaller, it's it's done tremendous amount of good. Well, here we are. We're almost... Well, we're a full eight years into this journey. We've been a 501c3 now for three years and change. And, you know, I don't know that I could even count anymore uh, the amount of people that we've helped. And the people that we've helped have been in so many different ways and so many different um, uh, courtrooms and, and, you know, all over the country and other countries. I remember fighting a battle um, in the UK for uh, a member by the name of Elizabeth um, Wallace. And, um, you know, it, it, it was so heartening to talk to her on the phone and through Skype. And when she was going through her, her trial in, in British court, and we rallied the same way we do here. And, and we brought our ribbons to court, and we had supporters there. And, you know, it was a very... Uh, lopsided decision, and she ended up having to uh, go through a probation. But just to know that in her time of need, and her husband who was disabled and, and just, you know, from the time of despair when she first called and contacted us to the time of, of the trial where she stood tall and, and warrior-like and, and, and walked into the fire as as it was, and um, made a difference, made a difference in my life, made a difference in her life, and, you know, we still talk from time to time, and, and, and she was changed by the efforts that we did. And this kind of work has gone on all across the country. We've we've done rallies. We've, you know, been in the news. We've um, organized support for cases, state cases, federal cases, uh, CPS cases, family court, every kind of case and and they typically are you know cases that are hinged on cannabis and now we've even got some proactive cases and one in particular hopefully we'll get an update about that a little bit later today but um you know we're taking we're taking the the, the fight to them in a lot of times and that's that's where a lot of the real changes get made uh when we don't have our freedom at stake and, and they have their money at stake um all of a sudden the fight changes around a little bit so um, we are probably the only all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit organization that I know of, especially that accomplishes anything, especially that comes anywhere near accomplishing what we do. Um, every single person over the course of eight years that has helped build this organization, helped coordinate chapters, helped uh, create our uh, educational literature, or websites, all of this stuff is all volunteer work. And I have been honored and privileged to work alongside of some of the hardest working, heartful people um, probably on the planet and still do to this day. And it's been um, a very moving experience. It's been a life-changing experience for me. And sometimes it's a frustrating experience. And uh, you know, there's times when my wife will come to me and say, you know, why are you still doing this? You know, your case has been over for almost four years now, four years now, and uh, or three years, whatever. It's been a while. 
why do you still do it? And, you know, my answer is always quick. And I say, oh, I, I haven't ended prohibition yet. And that was the whole idea, wasn't it? The plan. We're going to end prohibition. And it doesn't mean we're going to pass some silly law or it doesn't mean we're going to, you know, get Congress to do some silly thing. It means we're going to change the world. It means we're going to make the world a place where people no longer get arrested. And it is not a simple solution. It is a very human solution, but it's not a simple one. Uh, this, this has to take place in a lot of different venues. It has to take place um, It has to take place in the legislation. We have to pass laws, of course, but there's lots of groups that do that. We're not really so much a law-passing group. Um, there are always going to be tests to every law. No matter what happens, no matter what passes, there's going to be cases where uh, people, the government, the law enforcement, the judicial system comes around and says, well, you weren't following the law. It says this, and you were doing that. And it oftentimes doesn't matter what the spirit the law was written. In California, we wrote a very broad-based law that was written with the intent of giving broad protection. Unfortunately, it was so broad that the government was able to come in and say, well, they didn't clarify anything. So it works to the opposite. Many people have been persecuted as a result. Um, but those that stood tall had actually a well-written law behind them, and, and the lawyers and the, the pros, per, pro se defendants have, that have been able to articulate that oftentimes have prevailed. Um, in Arizona, we've had similar situation. Uh, the amicus curiae brief that we filed um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the spirit of the law and the way that it's been interpreted by the courts and the way that the lower courts are are going contrary to what they're supposed to do in a case where a law is ambiguous or ambivalent, does not clarify uh, a certain position, the court's supposed to favor the defendant. It's always supposed to be is certainly in prison right now. Last week he spoke for a half an hour about a lot of these items, and um, you know, he may be calling in again today. Bottom line is there is not a single law in America in any state that really carries the weight it needs to. There's not any state law that's going to stand up to any federal law because it just doesn't work that way. It has never worked that way. It's not going to work that way. Um, until enough of us stand up and say, enough, until enough of us consider it a civil rights offense when somebody gets arrested for pot, whether or not they were trying to follow the law, but especially when they're trying to follow the law, there should be marching in the streets. There should be people flooding the courtroom. There should be stories in the media. There should be every single way that the humans can do something about it be done. And that's what we're here to do. And so um, I could go on for a long, long time and talking about the, the, the efforts that we do, education about jury nullification, um, <clears throat> educating defendants about their rights, about how to effectively go in and support another, how to hold a rally, how to, um, you know, get a press release out there. We have um, a pretty amazing team that has written and distributed press releases um, successfully for the last couple of years, and we've gotten tens of thousands of views of some of these releases. And 
they've brought attention nationally and internationally <clears throat> to some of the cases that we've put support behind. And uh, it's, it's, it's a very important thing, and I think that um, it's just something that I'm, I'm bringing all this up because it's springtime, and this is a time when a lot of times um, people make new starts. They get things going. They start a project. They get working on something. And this is also a time where um, – I want, I want anybody who ever has been <clears throat> a member of the Human Solution International, and if you go back um, you know, to the beginning of our organization, there's probably been thousands of people, more than a thousand people that have been members. And, you know, we're not some of these groups that have 10,000 members, but we don't do giant mass mailings and we don't do, you know, things to get bulk membership. Our membership is actually very meaningful. <clears throat> we have... Um, it's it's a family sort of organization that every member is important. Every member literally gets a vote when it comes to electing our board and our officers. Every single member, and so you know we value our membership tremendously. And it costs a fraction of what some of the other groups cost. And you know, um, it's it's one of these things that it, it shows a commitment to our efforts, and our efforts are are probably some of the most grand efforts that are out there. We literally are trying to change the world and create a place where uh, something so simple as possessing, cultivating, manufacturing, distributing, transporting, all of the things, this cannabis plant will be a world where it's no longer a crime. And, again, it's going to take more than gathering signatures and, uh, um, you know, passing a law or two. It's going to take really – boots on the ground, winning hearts and minds, the public sentiment is what needs to be changed. So I'm going to do sort of a shout-out. I'm, I'm looking for one thing in particular today. Um, I'm the CEO of this organization, and I have um, a small but amazing team of, of support that really keeps this organization going. And I'm looking to get one more person, one just one person, that really is – got in their heart that they want to change prohibition and they want to change it in a way where their efforts would be valued and that they would be willing to put a dedicated effort. And, you know, the work that we have is manyfold. There's, it wouldn't matter what your skill might be. Uh, we have a way that we could use it. And I'm going to put a lot of personal attention into this one person um, to bring them into a, a place of meaningful um, help and I'm going to just put it out there I, I think if we could get one more person that cared enough to really grow this organization um, that cared enough to help to people that have been um, helped by us people that have helped us with other cases uh, and that, that numbers in the hundreds of people that have been really personally touched by this organization in the past, and I'm going to extend an offer. I'm going to welcome you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to, um, you know, hopefully entice you to come and either come back or come for the first time and help us, help me make this organization 
uh, something. Um, and I'm being told I'm cutting out. I don't know what's going on. If there's a problem with the phone line, I it's out of my control. But that being said, <clears throat> um, you can reach me at 951-436-6312. And just let me know that you're uh, interested in, in helping make the world uh, yet a better place. Um, we do have our, our website that has been updated, and I want to uh, invite you to take a look at it. It's uh, dot org, and uh, Becca Nichols has done virtually the entirety of the website. We have uh, myself and a couple of others that are helping work on it. We have our membership page up today or yesterday. And so I'm going to encourage anybody who ever once was a member to pledge again, give yourself a year's membership to help this all-volunteer organization do the things we do. Or better yet, sign up as a 420 a month member. And, um, you know, let's, let's – uh, it couldn't be a better use of funds. It's $4.20 a month or $15 for uh, a year and uh, – you know, it can help you to be a part of probably the most amazing organization out there. All right, we have a lot of people online right now to speak, and um, today's the Veterans Show. Chris Lewandowski hopefully will be joining us today. He was supposed to join us last week, uh, but has been tied up with his kid in hospital and preparing to go to trial on the 30th, and uh, I know what that's like. It's a very harrowing experience, and um, I guess him and his family are going to be driving from California to Oklahoma, um, heading out on Friday, and I don't know a whole lot more. Hopefully, Chris will be able to make it in. Um, we've extended the offer or the call or the, the invitation to any veteran that wants to talk about not only Chris Lewandowski's case, but um, any experience that has to do with cannabis and um the the veteran experience, um, help from post-traumatic uh, stress, the help from any injuries or, uh, you know, both physical and mental that have come from being in combat um, or, or any other element of the, the military experience. Um, you know, I personally am deeply grateful for veterans. I have a family that goes back to pre-revolutionary war days that Every generation of mine has served in uh, the military and in any in every combat situation our country's ever been in. And though I haven't personally had that experience, um, I'm deeply connected to it, and I very much uh, respect those people who have uh, shouldered that burden. And um, we do have a number of veterans that are on the line right now, so. Before we start going to callers, I just want to remind everybody that this show is brought to you by the Coffee Party, and then it's part of the Coffee Party Radio Network. And um, there's some great programming that goes on during the week on this show, on the weekend, and there's some great um, hosts and some great programming. So anyways, please uh, come and check it out during the week, and you can see if you log on to Blog Talk Radio, uh, the Coffee Party uh, radio network, you'll see all the different shows that are going on. 
If you want to call into this show and you're listening online, just call 646-929-2495 and uh, our amazing screener, Non-Compliant Mary, will get to you. And if you're on the line listening right now and we have a guest that's on and you have something you want to add to it or you think of something that you want to add to the show, all you have to do is hang up and dial back and tell our screener that I have something to say and you'll get to get back on. Otherwise, I believe if you press 1 or pound 1 on your phone, it'll bump you up the line, and I'm likely to notice. If I don't notice, just hang up and call back, and you'll be able to get become part of the show. So for some reason or another, my computer screen is uh, cut off at the very, very left side of it, and I'm unable to see all of the words and oh wait i found a way i shrunk it down now i've got it all right we're good to go okay so here's the lineup we have leo from oklahoma who's a veteran and he's going to come on first he and uh, he's going to talk about chris lewandowski and then we have Dwayne from california also a veteran and he wants to talk about chris and let's see uh, next after that we're going to bring up uh, lisa from california and she's got something she wants to say and then we've got Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. It is very likely that Craig Cecil will be calling us any minute. So um, if any of the callers are on and Craig calls in, just be aware that Craig Cecil is current. And he calls the show virtually every week or whenever he can. And Whatever's going on, we drop it and we give Craig the floor. So he gets 15 minutes to talk and we give him his time. So please do not feel, um, you know, pushed out of the way if we have to cut you short. But we'll always give every listener all the time they need as long as they're respectful and productive. Even if we run the show long, which we've done many times, if I have to move you aside for a second to put up a prisoner to give them a chance to talk, Please don't worry. You will get your time to finish your thoughts. I, I never cut anybody out. So, all right. Up first, it's Leo from Oklahoma. And, Leo, welcome to the show. You're live on A Cup of Joe. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, so what's, uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, you, uh, do you know Chris personally or um, just comrades, or how does it work out? No, I served with him uh, here in, in Fort Sill uh, as an artillery instructor, and I know Chris before he, uh, you know, had his back injury and before he was on a laundry list of opioid pain medication. And I also know Chris after that and after he found uh, cannabis. And uh, it, it's just, it's night and day. I'm not going to say that, that cannabis is the answer for everyone with every ailment, but um look at the just go to your your local CVS and look at how many different medications you can get for a headache or for an upset stomach and everyone has that one thing that works for them and in Chris's case and in many others uh when it comes to P PTSD um he found what works for him he found what allows him to be a, a father a husband and a productive member of society, and it's just a shame that he found that in a place that views it as such a atrocity to society. 
Now, you were an instructor with him, and um, were, were you there with him when he was uh, attempting to teach while he was under all of his medication? He told me about it a number of times, that he was really just out of it, fell asleep at the desk, just was incapable of actually performing his job. Were you there with him at that time? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we would... I would send a message or, or talk to him on the phone because he was in a, a building co-located with me. He wouldn't even remember talking to me on the phone, or, or I would go over there because no one would answer. I'd walk in, and he would literally be drooling on himself at his desk because he was just so out of it on these opioids. Now, did you meet him when he came back to Oklahoma after serving active duty in the combat, or did you meet him prior to that? I, I met him in Oklahoma after he had uh, been to combat, and the the Marine Detachment in Oklahoma is a non-deployable unit, and we just train uh, new Marines to send them out to the fleet. Okay, Leo, as I was mentioning, uh, Craig's just calling in from federal prison, so uh, we're going to put him on, and we'll get back to you right after he's done, okay? All right, sounds good. Craig Cecil, how are you, Craig? Hello, Joe. Saying hello from Terre Haute, Indiana. So how is it in Terre Haute, Indiana today? Well, things are well. Things are well. The, the prison is getting a bit apprehensive. I, I think I've mentioned before that a month ago the new warden had mentioned all kinds of changes. And they've been making a lot of changes to our food in terms of doing away with a lot of items. Like, today is the first day. On Wednesdays, throughout the Bureau of Prisons, for lunch, they serve us a hamburger. It's like a like a standard McDonald's hamburger, pretty much, you know, uh, the, the basic hamburger and some french fries. Well, today was the first day they cut out ketchup. We no longer have ketchup. No ketchup for a hamburger and fries. No. And at the beginning of the month, actually a little bit before that, they cut out butter and margarine. We don't get butter and margarine anymore, nor salt and pepper. <laughs> and and is, is there some kind of logic to that? I mean, or, or is it just, it seems like it's a sadistic move. No, like I say, it seems to have like a sadistic tilt to it. The other thing is that they're significantly limiting how much property we can have now. And uh, many people, uh, it'll involve, at the end of this month, they're just going to come through and, uh, for me, they're going to take roughly half of the things that I bought, like sweatpants and shorts and, and things of that nature, because you're only allowed to have, you know, two recreational, you know, pants. But it's just a, a new new rule that it came through with, and it, it almost seems like they're trying to antagonize the the population. <laughs> well, you know what, Craig? I, I don't know if you'd be able to do it, but if you could send me a Coralinks message and outline those things very specifically as you can, um, you know how I am. I, I like to instigate things, and I'm not adverse to calling the warden and, and, and having as many people as I can make some phone calls. And as we ha if we were to have very specific um, details about what the hell they're doing like that, um, it gives us as a 
informed citizen a voice that's a little different than somebody who just says, look what I heard. And we haven't put out a lot of press releases lately, and so it might be a good time for us to have an action like this where, you know, as we become aware of a civil rights violation, and even locked up in prison, they still have some fundamental human rights that are supposed to be protected by the Constitution. And I don't know, I would have to say that they're bordering on, you know, where those rights begin and end. I, I, it seems like a, um, I mean, it, it's probably a debatable point, but the fact that there's no justification for it and there's no um, benefit to the prison or, or society by doing this, and there's definitely a detriment. It seems like it's a poor choice, and it seems like something that somebody who might be a member of our organization who found out about it might be willing to get up in arms about. And one thing they can even do is, uh, what I understand, if they go to BOP.gov, from what I understand, there's a place there where they can leave comments. And, uh, there is. Yes, I'd be happy to send a very, you know, uh, you know, uh, explanation of, of what this new warden has done, and we're all kind of scratching our heads. Why is he trying to antagonize the prison as much? Well, give me as many give me as many details as you feel comfortable giving, and I will make it so that the prison gets a very clear message from a, a, a decent chunk of people. Uh, about this, and we'll go about it in multiple streams. We'll do uh, handwritten letters. We'll do, um, you know, complaints to the BOP and phone calls. And sometimes when it comes from multiple streams, it carries even more weight. That's true. That's true. Because, you know, should they continue to push that, that's, in my mind's eye, that, that's what pushes a prison into a riot, and I definitely don't want to be in the middle of a prison riot. No, no, you don't. It can turn a life sentence into a death sentence pretty quick. That's true. Apparently, uh, this afternoon there was uh, a riot in one of your California prisons, Pelican Bay. Yeah, we do that around here. We're, 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 we're an interesting yeah, bunch out here. They had a shoot a bunch of inmates, I guess, to stop it. Wow. Crazy, crazy. Well, you know, um, we're getting ready. I told you that. Last week. No, 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 you don't. Hell, even when I was uh, in the Twin Towers, they had shot a guy. Um, the wardens had shot a guy up on the top and and killed him. And that was, you know, just in the time that I was locked up there, and that was in county. It's crazy. I mean, and you don't even hear about most of the violence that goes on guard the inmate stuff, it just, you don't even hear about it, but what I wanted to bring your attention was, um, you know, last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh, the Marine, uh, Chris Lewandowski, he's actually getting ready to start his trial, and um, we've, we've got a bunch of veterans that have called in, and we're talking about this whole thing from that point of view, but um, he's, him and his wife's going to be, and his family is going to be driving from California to Oklahoma this weekend, and he's supposed to start his trial um, on the 30th of May, picking a jury over uh, a couple of plants, a couple of sickly plants to boot. And, you know, this was a guy that was literally on 20 or 30 medications that left him 
a drooling zombie and unable to perform any duties. And he was able to quit all these medications because of these plants that he grew. And now he's facing years in prison because he's standing up to fight this case. It's uh, it's it's a crazy deal. I understand there's been a, a handful of evidence to show that marijuana aids in a PTSD rather than a lot of medications. And <laughs> even the people at the Veterans Administration, though of course they're a federal agency and not allowed to prescribe it, a lot of them people I heard are are showing some concern to why can't we prescribe what works? Well, you know, there's, there's actually been a number of developments over the years, and the VA's office was, they've issued a bunch of different rulings that they were going to allow it, then they don't, and then they're going to, and then they don't. And there's been, uh, you know, I, I've been working with a number of veterans over the years, and, of course, we have, a lot of members of our organization that are veterans, and um, I know of, I personally am friends with probably a dozen of them that have been denied pain medication. Um, as a re The pain medication is prescribed for serious injuries, you know, the combat injuries, um, you know, major surgeries, uh, limb amputations, I mean, major deal, and they've been denied pain medication because they've been found to be using cannabis. And um, it's it's unbelievable. And, you know, you would think, in my opinion, somebody who has put their life on the line, uh, whether you agree with our country's policies or not, the individual that has made a conscious choice to put their life on the line in service of this country to be treated less than rather than greater than is really a problem to me. It's a it's a substantial problem. And I just think that that's one of the reasons that, you know, I, I'm trying to focus on this case and other veterans' cases as much as we can because I think there's another layer to it. You know, these are people, if anybody needs the benefit of this plant, it's somebody that has gone through the, the, the horrors of war, regardless of what that, how that manifested. And we've got, you know, Korean War veterans all the way up to, you know, current combat right now today that have all suffered, you know, what they used to call, um, uh, what, the, what the hell did they used to call it? They had a, a shell, shell, shell shock. Yeah. yeah, you walk away as a damn zombie. And, and, and you know, they, they, they cut a piece of your brain out of you or, or, you know, you end up being an alcoholic or a, a heroin addict, you know. This plant can fix. There should be nobody our government would fight harder for to take care of than our vets. Exactly. <laughs> where, where the hell would we be without them? And and you know and yet so many times in so many cases uh, they get demonized even rather than than um, you know held it, held in high esteem. And that's one of the reasons that our organization has really decided you know in the last year that we're taking on veterans. Co causes as part of, you know, our blanket of, of civil rights. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons that we're encouraging people to get out there, make it out to Oklahoma, um, you know, help these guys get out there, whatever it takes. Um, we've, we've got to show the support that is due to this guy. I mean, you know, he could have taken a plea deal. He could still take a plea deal all the way to the end, and he said, 
uh, you know, he's 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 going to go down swinging. He's going to do what I did. He's going to do what so many of the Warriors have done. And you know what? There's no way to win unless you fight. And, you know, I won my case against all odds. And if I would have given up, I would have never won. And, you know, I, Chris's case is such a important case because it represents this giant group of people that are all at risk and that are all – um, uh, in many cases, victimized. And ...make the difference. They're the ones that can determine, you know, not just what the law says, but, but what is right and wrong. And I hope they're allowed to... Now they're instructed to consider right from wrong versus, you know, just what the law or the judge wants to tell them. Yeah. Well, the way I understand it, we have a pretty good legal team, and we have um, one of the attorneys has been a guest on this show numerous times, and, um, you know, he's attempting to present a medical necessity defense, and he's a good guy. He's He's one of the few attorneys that I could stand by and say, look, this guy – actually cares. He's traveled around the country, taken on pro bono cases, and argued medical necessity defense um, because he's trying to make a difference the way we do. So um, we're very much in support of him and, and of this case, and we encourage anybody, if you're able to get to Oklahoma, um, you know, let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll show you where to go. We'll do whatever we can. Um, and if anybody wants to donate funds, you know, there's a a fundraising page for him, and, you know, we're just going to do everything we can to, to help make this happen. Hopefully this is the case that everybody will be quoting a year from now. <laughs> well, you know, that was – I've spent quite a bit of time talking with Chris, and he, he recognizes, just as most of us that have ever fought these kind of cases, that it's not about us at all. It's it's just like you said. It's 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 to be that case that makes that difference. You know, it's going to be one of them. It's, it's going to be several of them, probably. But, you know, the, the, the cases that it, – it, it is the cases that make history. Um, and there's never a law that changes that, that, that makes the course of history, maybe a constitutional amendment, but certainly not just a law passing. And it, it's, it's these cases that actually decide these um, – the public sentiment, you know, the, the way that the government is – going to act is often based on rulings and and starts with one person in one case and you know and hopefully he's that case exactly it sounds like he's, he has the facts to to put it together and it sounds like he has the support so well we're keep the people fired up <laughs> yeah yeah well we're coming down to the last bit he's doing a good drum beat we're seeing a lot of articles and press releases and he's out there you know doing everything he can to be reached so he's hopefully going to be joining the show a little bit later well there's your first beat craig i'm going to give you the floor to finish it off okay but just like you said i want to encourage everybody to try to help down in oklahoma i mean you know put op-eds to the newspaper down there if you can't travel there you know put op-eds in your home newspaper put you know phone calls to you know, different news people to say, hey, you need to look into this. But every little bit makes such, you know, that people care, especially 
people should care that you know that our vet is getting the medicine that's proven to work for him. That should be first and foremost. But thanks a lot for shining a light on me and helping all of us through uh, the inequities that law has made for us. And hopefully he and I and others will prevail. You bet, Craig. Well, again, I look forward to the fishing trip on the other side of you getting the hell out of there. So hopefully that will be oh, yeah. much sooner than later. All right, well, we look forward to talking to you next week. And there he goes. Well, folks, once again, we try to we try to time it where, you know, Craig gets the last word, um, but so many times uh, uh, we get cut off. You get that 15 minutes and, and not anymore. So I'm going to bring Leo back up, and we're going to continue on. All right, Leo, sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. I'm actually um, – Glad that we're able to give Craig a voice. He risks solitary confinement every time he comes on this show, but uh, it's an opportunity for him to uh, have a, a voice. And uh, when you're locked up serving a life sentence for this plant, it, you don't get a lot of those opportunities. I, I agree. I, I, he was very insightful with what he said today. Yeah, he's a, he's a member of uh, the advisory board of the Human Solution and um, the guy is, is in, in so many ways, um, you would think he'd be in a hopeless situation, but he's actually very inspiring, and he's helped other inmates um, extensively, and, uh, you know, our, our organization is just very supportive of him. So, um, anyways, when we left off, we were talking about, uh, you know, you met Chris when he came back to Oklahoma um, after combat, and so he was already on all these medications when you met him? He he was on some, but it wasn't until he had his back surgery and his back went out on him, and that's when the opioids uh, were really heavily introduced. And even myself, uh, going through surgeries um, at Fort Sill, was given a laundry list of, of opioids. Um, my wife and I did up the math one day, and in a year's time, if I would have consumed every pill that the military had given me just opioid based, it would have been over 600. Wow. And, and so, you know, and I was not on near as many or as strong as what Chris was. Um, they give the majority of mine were, were Percocet fives that were prescribed to me by a doctor. Chris was on much heavier opioids than I was and prescribed many more than I was within that year. Now, it, it seems to be a pretty common uh, drumbeat in the military uh, of this um, just over-prescribing. I mean, you know, there's no shortage of things that a military veteran would need treatment for, and everything from mental issues to every kind of physical uh, condition to, like you said, operations to, uh, you know, limbs, uh, you know, uh, amputated to, you know, concussion injuries. I mean, there's just a the, the gigantic laundry list of things. But there are so many kinds of treatments that are safer, more effective, um, less addictive, less complicating. Um, it seems that there's this just flood of of prescriptions. Now, uh, in the civilian world, doctors are are really being scrutinized um, for over prescribing painkillers. 
and it's a pendulum swinging back on, you know, 10 or 20 years of, of just this kind of behavior. Do you feel that that's something that <coughs> is going to happen in the in the VA side of things, or you think it's just going to keep on coming? Well, it's already starting to happen. I mean, um, Oklahoma participates in the uh, – there's a list uh, – I forget exactly what they call it, but whenever I'm, if you're prescribed an opioid and you have to sign for a Schedule One or Schedule Two narcotic, you go on a list as when you were prescribed it, and they try their best to keep track of it, and and it, it really does no good because you can go from one doctor to another and that list doesn't get checked. Um, uh, it it's well known here in the state that we have a problem. Um, Opioid abuse is going rampant in our state and in our country, and it's being left unchecked, and it's only being further, I would say, made worse by the military um, and by the VA because, I mean, they they just push the pills, they push the drugs, and I've had instances where they have a, a VA doctor has prescribed me medicine that is contraindicated with other medicines and caused me to have to go to the emergency room because I was losing muscle function um, and basically caused me to have some forms of paralysis due to serotonin syndrome because the doctors couldn't even keep up with the medicines that they were prescribing. Wow. Well, and that's one of the things that Chris was dealing with. Um, You know, he came out, we put up a, a booth, at one of the events uh, back in September, and um, he sat with us as we were getting people to sign letters uh, that ultimately went to his judge, and um, got a chance to you know spend the day with him. And he told us about the interaction between a lot of these medicines, and he was talking about you know they gave him one medicine for this, and then it had a side effect, so they gave him a medicine for the side effect. And it had yet another side effect, and then they gave him a medicine for that, and that had a complication with the first two. And rather than go back and look at his whole regimen and maybe, you know, do some chemistry work and figure out maybe there's a better answer, they just kept treating one symptom with another. And he he was literally taking 20 to 30 different pills every single day, and and that combination effect was just a, a... you know, a, a bomb going off inside his, his chemistry every single day. It, it happens to veterans all the time. They, they they get a new pill and, hey, this is supposed to work, and then you go home and you take it and it gets in your system and then all of a sudden you're flying off the handle, uh, you know, and you're having points, of, you know, you're having fits of rage or you're blacking out. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from experience of not my, only myself but a friend, um, you know, that, come to and they're wondering why their hands broke because they put it through a wall in their house because wow. they were treating one symptom after another and not looking at the whole picture. That's crazy. Well, listen, we've got um, Chris's trial starting up on the 30th. Um, are you going to be able to be present at the at the court? I am. Oh, beautiful. I, I, and so um, I, I'm, I'm really trying to get a finger on the pulse of the local support. I'm, I'm, really hoping. It doesn't look like I'm going to be able to come out from California. I, I've traveled around in many cases, but I'm just, you know, fun short right now. But it looks like we've got a pretty substantial team going to come out from 
Oklahoma, which is really our strongest card, is to, you know, travel f- 50 miles rather than 500 miles. Um, so what, what what's your thoughts on Do you think there's going to be a, a pretty packed house? You know, I think there will be a substantial uh, amount of people, but I, I don't think it will be in the hundreds. I don't think it will be, unfortunately, well, I don't think it will be that, that big. I've been been to the courtroom there. It's it's a decent-sized courtroom, but we filled it up for his hearing um, back in October pretty easily. So I think it would take about 50 people, and we'd have that thing packed full. I, I agree. My worry with, with this case is just the – overwhelmingly um, right-wing atmosphere that he has to contend with here in Oklahoma. I mean, we got, uh, in 2016, the uh, majority of Oklahomans voted to get medical marijuana on the ballot, and it was approved, and our attorney general at the time, Scott Pruitt, disagreed with the wording and didn't allow it on the ballot, only for it to go all the way to the Oklahoma Supreme Court and then say that he was in the wrong for uh, trying to reword it and not allowing it on the ba- a ballot. And now we're having to wait till 2018 to be able to vote on this issue because our But that's almost a, a sign of the people being more supportive rather than the government. And in the court system, typically, it's ultimately the people that make the decision. And my hope is that, and I, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but – the fact that, you know, you have a major military base in Oklahoma there, um, that a lot of the right-wing folks are very supportive of the military, and especially veterans. I'm hoping, and, and I, I don't know if I'm off base here, but I'm hoping that, you know, even though, you know, that the, the, the right-wing point of view might not necessarily be cannabis-friendly, it certainly might be um, disabled veteran-friendly. And it definitely is disabled veteran friendly. And, you know, like like Chris has told me when we've talked, all he needs is one member of that jury. You exactly. Know, so it just it, takes just that one. one to hold out. Yep. And that's always, you know, that's that's a hell of a, of, of, of a, of a power that each juror has. And, you know, hopefully we've, um, you know, over during the course of this last year, uh, with all the locals and all the people that have been out there promoting um, you know the jurors' rights and jury nullification, and and uh, the power of a juror. Hopefully, you know if it just reaches one of those guys, and you know they feel morally inclined to do the right thing, which hopefully they all will. Um, it's it's definitely uh, uh, a possibility and, and possibly even likely. But here's the other kicker: if Michael Minardi is able to get this medical necessity defense to be introduced as a jury instruction. It could be a slam dunk. I mean, it could be definitely more than just a just a possibility. I mean, it's um, he's won cases in states where there were no medical protection before. I hope is that he'll be able to do it again. Well, and you know, if if I could just say one thing to the jury, if I was ever provided the opportunity, or if if there was one message I hope they could get is. Chris doesn't want to exist here. He doesn't want to live in Oklahoma. He wants to wash his hands clean and be done. And by continuing to try to prosecute him, we're wasting our tax dollars. And then if they imprison him, they're going to waste even more um, on another prisoner filling a cell in a state that's already facing a multi-billion dollar shortfall. 
I mean, it just it makes no sense. Yeah, that's no sort sense. of a common a common thread. So there's definitely, um, you know, it's something that that keeps happening, and it's something that, uh, um, you know, every time one of our good guys gets locked up, uh, we we have this conversation. You know, what? How did we benefit? How is society better by putting a guy who has no victims in his life in a place where it was in a place that was built for menaces to society? Uh, all it does is suck our resources and cause damage to a guy who didn't hurt anybody. Uh, it's never going to help anybody. So, I mean, you know, hopefully even just simply that common sense, um, you know, it's happening more and more. You know, hell, there's places in in, in United States where they've been unable to seat a jury because of the jury's uh, unwillingness to overlook, um, you know, the, the ridiculousness of cannabis incarceration. Um, and even in places like Wyoming, a couple of years back, there was a case where they were unable to seat a jury because uh, it was a ridiculous pot case. And this is just one of those kind of cases. Um, and so I'm only hoping that, um, you know, everybody steps up and does the right thing. I know we got a lot of people coming out from Kansas. I know there's a lot of local Oklahomans coming out. I, got, I know we got some folks coming out from Colorado, um, from California, and uh, I think from Texas as well. So hopefully, um, you know, we just have this overwhelming show of support. Hopefully we can get some good news articles out at the time of the trial. Um, and those jurors, you know, as much as they're told not to pay attention to the news, not to pay attention, not to look things up, they do. Everybody does. There's no way that anybody's going to, you know, not. It's 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 just one of those, you know, human uh, curiosity is a pretty powerful tool. Well, listen, Leo, I've got to get moving on. We have a number of other veterans that are uh, waiting in line to uh, say their piece. I welcome you to stay on to listen to everybody, and I thank you very much for being part of our show. Thanks for having me. You betcha. All right. Once again, Leo from Oklahoma, uh, veteran, going to be there for Chris's um, trial, and um, just proud to to know that we've got some good folks going to be out there. All right. Up next, we got Dwayne from California, also a veteran. Um, he's got some words to speak about Chris, and after Dwayne, we have Dave, yet another veteran from California. So, uh, we're going to go from Dwayne. And just remember, anybody who's listening, either on the computer or on your phone, um, and you've got a question for any of our guests, just hang up, call back, tell our amazing screener, non-compliant Mary, I've got something to say, and we can put you up live with the guest. Okay, we got Dave from California. Whoops, I'm sorry, I got the wrong one. I apologize, Dave, you're up next after Dwayne. We have Dwayne from California. Dwayne, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? I'm having a pretty good day. Um, so tell us about uh, your your experience with Chris, or what your thoughts are on all of this. Uh, yes, yeah, so I I met Chris um, through the Weed for Warriors project. Um, I myself uh, was addicted to opiates. Well, I I was addicted to opiates uh, after getting injured in the army. Um, I was stationed at uh, Fort Sill as well. Um, never really bumped into him there, but, um, I met Chris out in California through the Weed for Warriors project and, um, there's nothing more I can say than, uh, he's been a fine upstanding person in there to help people get answers, uh, to the questions that they have knowing, you know, the, the struggle that he went through to find his own answers, um, 
he's a fantastic guy. Well, that's uh, about the only uh, feedback that I've gotten from virtually everybody that I've talked to that's met him. So, um, you know, it just seems quite a shame that, you know, he's become demonized by our government, the same government that he <laughs> went out uh, and, and fought in active combat to uh, to maintain. It seems quite ironic, really. Yeah, it's terrible. And, you know, it's something that I'm not personally going to sit by idly. Um, I'll be riding out, uh, caravanning out there with them um, and Fantastic. trying to help rally, rally support out there in Oklahoma. So I look forward to seeing, you know, any and everyone that's willing to come out. Um, you know, we're really trying to get, you know, gather as much support as possible so that uh, the, the presence is clear. That this is that is fantastic. You know, I have been part to many of those caravans, and I, I uh, regret I'm, I'm not likely going to be able to make this one, but um, it makes a difference. There is probably no more uh, powerful expression of support. And, uh, you know, I, I spent a week on a bus one time going up to Montana for a guy, and it was, you know, a life-changing event. And, um, you know, in in the end, no matter what the outcome, uh, you're changing history as you're going. It's a journey for justice, and that's what we've always called it. It's literally that. And uh, we picked up people along the way, um, educated people as we were going, and, and, you know, beat that drum. And, uh, you know, every day that we were out there, we got more support, and it works. And that's, you know, one of our, our, our main tools out there is just – getting out there, just um, being present, being loud, being articulate, you know, being, being, just being noticed isn't necessarily only, a, isn't necessarily a good thing. Being noticed for the right reasons in the right way, having the right message, having the right way to say it in a way that is, is, is accepted is huge. And hopefully you guys have, you know, thought out your, your talking points and, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, Everybody that's involved can uh, cause there to be some media uh, presence. I know um, on our journey up to Montana, uh, we, we had, I don't know, two or three um, uh, press conferences along the way, and we were able to meet with local uh, local press, and, and they covered the story, did local news coverage, and, uh, you know, it, it got more people to know about the case we were supporting. Yeah, absolutely, and that's you know that's one of the things that we're hoping for. Um, I did. Uh, I was quite uh, curious as to. I wanted. Uh, I believe you said Mark was the gentleman's name. Um, trying to get something introduced um, regarding. Um, oh, Michael Minardi. That's the attorney yeah. that is attempting to present the medical necessity defense. Correct. Yeah. So what? Uh, what is the um, the barrier? Uh, for that. Well, the barrier is the court itself. So the idea of a medical necessity defense is uh, one that's sort of a, a, a universal, federally recognized um, uh, premise that if a substance is necessary, uh, a defendant's uh, livelihood or, or, or well-being, and you know, if they're if that's the only thing that can work for them, um, that it doesn't matter if that substance is recognized to be um, uh, controlled or illegal, that it can be uh, used as a defense that without it, 
um, Chris would not have been able to be a whole human being. That that um, you know, no matter what other medicines they gave him, he was unable to function, and he was destructive to himself, to his family, and there's just a, a, a mountain of evidence that supports it. And so, um, and I believe we have uh, even on the team a couple of physicians that are going to testify, and I, I, I believe they have that defense in place. The problem is, or the, the obstacle is, is the court does not have to allow it. And if the attorney is able to uh, get the court to recognize uh, the legitimacy of this, um, uh, then it's, it's been allowed in many cases in many states, um, in, in Florida, I believe, in North Carolina, in other states where there was no medical, um, uh, no medical protection anywhere, and still was able to present the medical necessity defense, and, and that was included in a jury instruction. So instead of a jury being instructed that this guy broke the law and the evidence that you see supports that, so you must convict him, and then most jurors will just do what the judge says, this would allow there to be um, this as part of an instruction that says, well, this medical necessity defense says that if it, this substance was necessary to the defendant's existence and, and livelihood, um, able to you know keep him as a functioning human being, um, then it is protected. So um, hopefully that you know that's going to get introduced and the judge is going to allow it as an instruction, and that would potentially be the the ringer right there. Yeah, as a uh, former opiate zombie, um, I've got to say that you know I. I can only hope that that is uh, accepted by the judge. Well, that's, that's what we're banking on, and you know, it's uh, we're, we're doing everything we can, uh, you know, to 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 stack the odds. He's got an attorney that I believe is going to do a good job. We've got this other attorney that you know is able to bring in the, uh, hopefully, able to bring in the medical necessity defense. I believe they've got experts in place to testify. Um, you've got community support. We've got. Um, you know, frankly, the judge, if it's the same judge that that allowed him to rescind his plea, I was in the courtroom there, and he, he seemed to be a reasonable judge. Um, I, You know, again, I haven't ever seen him in a trial, but I, you learn a lot in a quick way when it comes to judges, how they act. And um, he was impatient, meaning that Chris's case had gone on for way too long. But aside from that, he seemed to be very reasonable with his approach to interpreting the law. So I have hopes that if it's the same judge, um, that this medical necessity defense might be allowed. Well, yes. Yes, hopes to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Well, absolutely. And I thank you very much for uh, taking to the road and, and um, you know, doing the one of the things that, that can make all the difference in the world. Um, I've been in your spot, and I salute you, I support you, and I'm just really uh, pleased and proud that uh, we have folks like you out there supporting the defendants out there. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And, yeah, if anybody would like to ca uh, caravan, we will be leaving Friday. So. Yeah, actually, why don't you uh, give a shout-out? How would somebody reach you if uh, they want to join up in the caravan? Um, they can get a hold of me on Instagram. It is uh, my first name, Dwayne underscore Vaughn, 
B-O-N underscore Eitzen, E-I-T-Z-E-N. Beautiful. All right, and anybody who's listening right now, realize that this show and all of our shows are archived, and we'll put out the link to that. And if you missed any of the details whatsoever, uh, just go back and listen to the archive, and it'll be right there for you. All right, Duane, well, thank you so much for being part of the show, and uh, I wish you the absolute best. And, um, you know, it's a funny thing. I, I've been on the road so many times, so many cases, and people always said it'll be there in spirit. And I kind of laughed and says, yeah, it'd be great if you were there in person. Um, I truly will be there in spirit. I, I, if there's any way for me to get out there, I still will. Um, but I, I recognize the value of what you're doing, and I, and I do support Chris's case wholeheartedly, and I'll do everything I can to get people there. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Again, Duane from California. Up next, we have Dave from California, and uh, also a veteran, and uh, he's going to talk about cannabis use. And uh, Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, tell us about. Do you, well, do you know Chris, or uh, is, is this uh, more of a, a general uh, conversation? Uh, just a general conversation. I don't know Chris. Okay. Uh, I know uh, Mary. I, okay. I moved out. I moved out here from Iowa four years ago uh, because cannabis is not available in Iowa. I've been uh, disabled for 17 years. I blew out my back as a hardware salesman. And uh, I was on 29 pills a day prescribed by the federal government for pain. You couldn't tell I was on anything until I missed a dose. And then I was down for two, three days before I could recoup. Uh, I was on everything, Ultram, Flexoril, Darvon, Zoloft, Gabapentin, Oxycontin, you name it. Uh, my next step was methadone. Wow. Uh, I asked for medical marijuana. They said, I'm sorry, we can't prescribe that in South Dakota, Minnesota, or Iowa, because I went to three VAs. Uh, I was centrally lo- located between Minneapolis, Des Moines, and Sioux Falls. So uh, I moved. I moved to California uh, four years ago, last Veterans Day. I was in San Francisco for three months, and uh, then I, I moved out of the city, got away from all the hubbub. I need some peace and quiet. But uh, yeah, I, I come out here mainly for the medical cannabis, and I think I've taken. Two pills in the last 18 months, and um, I'm not supposed to stand more than 15 minutes or lift more than 10 pounds, but I'm lifting 25-pound barbells. I'm getting my equilibrium back, my balance back. Um, I can stand for 20 minutes. I can't walk up inclines up and down the hills very well, but uh, but I'm still functioning because of cannabis. Sorry, I got a bunch of dogs in the office here. <laughs> That's okay. If it wasn't for that, I'd be a zombie. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, so many people commit suicide because of opioids, which the VA is pushing. And uh, VA patients are not allowed to talk to their doctors about cannabis, which is wrong. In states where it's illegal, uh, if they prescribe it, they lose their medical license. And uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. 
Um, Minnesota's trying to get one person to grow for the whole. But it, <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Uh, yeah, it takes two hundred thousand dollar application fee, non refundable. Who has that kind of money to throw around? Exactly. You know? Probably not and, the guy that could grow best. Exactly. And then uh, Iowa, they say, oh, well, they're expanding theirs, but the only thing you can do, you can get uh, the oils, but you can't make them your own. you got to buy them, but who makes it? It's not legal. Fat and, and pills, you know, synthetic. Well, who wants it, you know? Um, personally, I think the federal government, first they need to recognize it as a plant with medicinal qualities. Get it off the list, the Schedule Three, because it's nothing. I used to get high when I was a kid, but now I can sit. I smoke from sunup to sundown, and you can't tell it. I don't. I'm not stoned. I, I can operate anything, and I can think. And uh, I mean, it, it, it bleeds out of my pores. I smoke so much, but I'm not in pain. And it's supposed to be quality of life, isn't it? Isn't that the whole thing, quality of life? That's what they say. You know? I mean, who wants a pill? Who wants to be a zombie? You want to enjoy life. And the government put, uh, 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 oh, what the hell they call it? A number, okay? When you invent something, you get a number, Okay? And they put a number on medical marijuana, but they didn't invent it. God made it. So uh, a patent number is what they put on it. They have a patent number on medical cannabis, but they say it don't exist. Yep, it's true. If we, you go, we've up, had you, uh, numerous conversations about that patent number, and uh, you know it's. Uh, it's quite a conundrum when you have, uh, on one hand, they say this is not even a reality. On the other hand, they say, yeah, but you can't own it because it actually is a reality. And, uh, right. you know, it, you're you're 100% correct. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm at least glad that you're in California where, um, you know, as much as the, the VA is not going to help if they know what you're doing, at least you have – it available here and you know you have some sort of protection about growing it and making your own stuff and you know it's it's certainly a lot more available here than it might be in uh, a place like Iowa or uh, right. or Oklahoma or so many other places right. now when I went and got my recommendation uh, um, I, I went and I talked to my doctor about it at the VA and she says well what about your medications I said just keep the prescription open so I'm not walking around with prescri- uh, expired pills. I said, as long as the prescription is open, I can't be arrested for having expired pills. I said, I don't need a refill because I still have the last one I got a year ago, you know, two years ago. And right. uh, I said, just keep it open so I don't get in trouble. I says, but, you know, the only thing is they can't prescribe or that you can't refill a prescription for opioids if you're taking cannabis for the same thing, okay? Right. They yep. they have no problem with you using cannabis, just they can't give you the opioids while you're using the cannabis. 
Exactly. So uh, that's what I found. That's what I found. But uh, yep. I guess that it works so much better for me, and it keeps a smile on my face, and I'm not angry anymore. <laughs> so. Well, there you go, but, and it's not um, going to wreck your liver either. Nope. Uh, as far as uh, the guy in court, uh, you know, I wish I could do more for you. Uh, yeah, kind of like you said, you know, I'm there in heart. You know, I'll send my prayers with you, and I'll sit out here and meditate, and I'll get in my space, and I'll mentally challenge the court. Well, there so, you go. We're all going to do what we can, and, and uh, you know, putting our thoughts and prayers out there, don't ever underestimate it. I know that uh, the effort that was made on my behalf during my case, uh, many cases it was physical, and plenty of cases it was mental, and uh, it was everything that, that – that it took to 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 get that victory. So, uh, you know, we'll take everything we can. And Dave, I appreciate you joining the show. Um, so Great. Will, um, I do have one. I do have one more question. What when sure. is the court? When is the court date? What time? What day? Um, it's May thirtieth, and I will before the end of the show um, put out all the details about it. I don't know if I don't believe the court date has been put up on our calendar. So. Um, I'm going to look at our calendar if it's not put up there. Somebody please send me a link to uh, whatever date it is. I know it's the 30th, and uh, I know it's in Comanche County, and we'll get all the details before the show's over. Okay, because if everybody sits down and meditates at the same time, it'll work. Yep, exactly. Fine, let everybody sit down and get grounded and meditate, and it'll work. Well, we'll do that and everything else. Well, thank you so much, Dave. We will talk to you very soon. All right. So we've got um, Lisa Wooldridge here, my vice president. She wants to talk a little bit about membership. And I've got Lisa Sublet on the line, and I'm sorry. Lisa, I just can't let you be on the line without saying at least a couple of words. So I'm going to put you up first. So we're going to have Lisa, then Lisa, and then we're going to have Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. And we'll see who else joins us between then and now. And if somebody can message me the details about the uh, uh, trial, I can at least uh, read it aloud live. So, Lisa, I'm sorry. You don't get to just be listening today. You get to talk, too. Welcome to the show, Lisa, my little friend, Sublet. It's uh, been so long since I've heard from you. How are you doing? I am doing good. I miss you so much. Well, Uh, I miss you back. Uh, I have it as Tuesday, May 30th at 9 a.m. at the Comanche County Courthouse. Um, okay, I got Comanche County right at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if someone else has anything different than 9 a.m., then... I think uh, you're right. Can... I, I know it was the 30th, and, and typically court starts at 9 a.m. So, um, you know, if you find yourself at the Comanche County Courthouse, look for all the veterans out there. Hopefully there will be some green ribbons out there and... Uh, um, you know, um, it shouldn't be hard to find the team that's standing in support of Mr. Lewandowski. It's a funny thing. When we show up in court support, um, there's never any doubt about who that group is. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's always very apparent. If you've ever spent time in court, there's a lot of solo people there with their lawyers and a couple of family members. And anytime there's a group there, it's, it's usually pretty apparent why they're there. <laughs> yes. We're funny well, that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, um I I don't have any big news uh at least 
I mean, here, uh, Shauna's trial is coming up. Obviously, Chris's trial is coming up. And just for me personally, I've been trying to push uh, that information out as much as I can. And we've just been kind of wrapped up with the uh, end of session with the legislature. Kansas is kind of a hot mess. Um, So they're, they're over time and we have no budget and we haven't funded schools and, you know, good stuff like that. So that that part of it's been kind of crazy, and we're the reason why we're waiting for that to get over with is that we're anticipating we have more bipartisan support than we've ever had before, and the economic situation is beyond desperate now. Um, and so the promise is we think that we have some big things, some big opportunities this summer to to talk to some very large organizations that we've not been able to talk to before and would not um, without some some new new help, some people that started as no's and that, you know, by grace and hard work we were able to flip to now some very passionate yeses. <laughs> good, so good. Well, I mean, and the thing of it is, is you, you know, you are such an inspiration out there. If anybody was following Lisa's story, her and a couple of other folks, literally lived it at at, at, uh, at the Capitol building for how long was it? Six weeks or something like that? I mean, you guys were there virtually every day for a long period of time. And you were out there literally boots on the ground talking to everybody that you could. It, it was such an inspiration to see, you know, we've always talked about the power of one. And, you know, every time you get one more together, it, it magnifies exponentially. At the beginning of my show, I, I did a plead out for one person to come and, and, and make a decision to, to, to be a greater part in our goals and, and, and come and, you know, participate. And you know how that is as a, as a, a head of a, a, a fairly small organization that does a lot of huge things. It's every single person that comes together makes all that difference in the world. And so that's why... Uh, you know, I have such a, a deep respect for your work and, and, and you know, your heart and, the, 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 you know, the, let, the, let the evidence be presented before you. I've seen very few people put such an effort into something as you have. Oh, well, you're, you're awesome. Uh, if it, I can tell you, obviously, it is, we, I'm just blessed. That's all I can say. I am just, I am so blessed because we have such an amazing there's about, there's probably, I would say five of us and on, on a good day six maybe that take, we tag team in and out of doing the heavy lifting. But Dawn, Nurse Dawn, uh, was my capital partner, <laughs> you know, and then we have um, Kelly, he does amazing research and, you know, they're both from the medical field and medical backgrounds and um, they're just amazing. And then we have people who, you know, like Charlotte and Chris, they deal with patients and, and volunteers and Charlotte's amazing at research too. And then Rick is our treasurer and he keeps us, uh, all of us wackadoodles in line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it keeps, keeps all the cats and spiders herded, right? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And, uh, so, you know, these cogs are all just, and so I'm, all I can ever just say is there's no words to sh- say how blessed and grateful I am uh, because they're just absolutely amazing, amazing people. No matter what's going on in their personal lives or, or whatever the cost, we just, 
You know, we lost another one, Joe. We lost a grandmother and a mother. I heard. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and, and that's the thing that I just wish people would understand. You know, these people that we lose, we didn't have to. And no. Even if, even if cannabis could have given them uh, a few days, mm-hmm. a few weeks, or, or who knows, maybe years more, um, one day would be worth it, <laughs> you know, without mm-hmm. any possible harm to anybody. Gee, what the hell? And, and then you think about even just the quality of life. Even if somebody's got terminal cancer and, and, and all it would do was allow them to be um, there, for their family and not be in such pain. Um, if that's all, it, if that's all it did, it, it would be worth it. And yet and here we are. Was, yeah. And she, she was amazing. She was an encourager, a supporter, wow. no matter what she was going through in her chemo and fighting with cancer. Uh, if I had no doubt, I had no doubt that she was going to be there with us at the end. And when we got this, when we got this, changed it was going to be about healing and repairing the damage from the chemo um that you know that's what the medicine would bring to her i had no doubt she would be there but we know how hard that is on people's right. bodies the treatment yep. kills more than the disease and it but does, i did not think lot, yeah i didn't think she'd be one of them joe i really didn't yeah. i didn't think she'd be one of them just well. always an encourager, a supporter, and uh, an exhorter. You know, she was just uh, amazing, always concerned. And you know, something weird that happened is after she passed, several people, other patients in our group, got messages from her that she must have sent earlier, but for some reason they didn't come through until later. And wow. Every single one of them was asking how they were doing, worried about them, checking on them. And that was just so her. So, you know, it's uh, but they they become our angels, and we tell their stories, and we'll we'll carry their stories forward. Um, and and that's what we that's you know that's what we do. And you know that that's one part of the suffering. One part of the suffering is the ones we lose that way. But what could happen to Chris's family? Equally rips my heart out. There's the stress and trauma that has already happened to this husband, this wife, this marriage, these children, this family from this situation is already reprehensible enough. But And then you have the extended family, the, the grief of parents, the grief of aunts and uncles, the grief of sisters and brothers, um, you know, and then to a larger community of friends or coworkers or people that he was going to school with, you know, out in California before. Oklahoma got all froggy again. So that kind of damage um, is equally as heartfelt. To think of taking this father away from these children um, and to leave this wife alone, to to be both parents, uh, both financially and emotionally, um, you know, that's equally reprehensible, absolutely reprehensible. And it's it's reprehensible to anyone, and we all feel the special violation even more that this this is a, a three tour vet who has you know this condition that he's suffering with is as a direct response to what he did for a call that was made on our behalf. And the people do not want him to suffer. The people do not want him in jail and the laws do not reflect the will of the people. We don't want to put these our neighbors 
We don't want to destroy families. And we just need people to be courageous, to stop letting stigma, stop letting the fear, you know, silence your voice. We've got to have people be courageous and, and to hell with the stigma and finally start the stand I had this week. I couldn't believe it. I about fell out of my chair. But it, unfortunately, it takes sometimes dire circumstances. I grew up in a very conservative, tiny town. And one of the people that I grew up with, um, we've had conversations and messenger on Facebook before. This last week, she finally had it. And she sent me a video of her father suffering, who my mother worked for in our little town. I grew up knowing her, her father. Um, of him suffering and literally screaming in pain as he had really bad, uh, uh, I think it's called constricture, after stroke, the the muscle tightening up. My father had it with kidney failure. And she made a post on Facebook. She was like, every representative or senator who says no to medical marijuana should have to come and see my father today. Wow. And I about fell in my chair. <laughs> and, and she thanked me. Well, you know, it's really unfortunate, or I don't know, it's just the way it is. I don't know. You know, like 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 I said at the beginning of the show, there's not anywhere um, that says that life was going to be fair. And but right. I find it I find it I don't know just remarkable. I guess would be the only word I could think of that so many people have to be touched so personally before they can see the, in my opinion, just obvious truth that's just all around us. And it happens one by one. It happens. Judges are doing it. Cops are doing it. Elected officials are doing it. And it's happening one by one. It's not happening fast enough. And that's why it's so important that those of us that don't necessarily have have to go through, you know, such a, a, a harrowing experience, whether it be um, losing your freedom or, or, or property or, or livelihood or whatever, or whether it's uh, physiological problems, um, disease, and, and, and every other sort of uh, symptom that, that could be treated. Maybe, you know, there's an old saying, and it's, I think it's an African saying, that if we, if we stand tall, it's because we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors. And I, I think about that in a different way when it comes to the civil rights cause because our ancestors are still with us. Our ancestors are those that have stood up when they didn't have to. Our ancestors are those that stood up when they did have to. Our ancestors are those that recently passed. Our ancestors are those that are still standing. And we're standing tall because of them. And we can learn. We can do. We can do this. You know, the efforts you're doing in Kansas and the efforts that we have going on in Oklahoma and the efforts that we have going in North Carolina and, and, and New York and all the different places around the country and around the world, there's enough effort being put that we could actually win this. We could actually just finally make that one big push. And, you know, it's, it's sort of unrelated, but I, I remember back in the 80s when, you know, the Berlin Wall fell, and it was not just yeah. because of one man, and it wasn't because of another man. It was because of a lot of people who finally yeah. said, enough, this is ridiculous. What in the yeah. hell are we doing with the wall here? And this is the same thing. There's a wall of prohibition that is just as ridiculous as that wall was, and I think oh, that right. we have what it takes to push it down. And probably responsible for more death. 
I don't think I don't think as many people died at Checkpoint Charlie ever um, as as died here. You know. Uh, oh, not even know. close. I'm sure. No, and so yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I I wish that people, like you said, did not have to have it impact them so personally before they find courage uh, to speak out. I really wish that people could look at this and just. You know, it really got me. I think I told you this before, Joe, one of the rallies that we were at here in Kansas City, and and um, there was a bunch of a turnout of a lot of young people, a lot of young people. And so I asked how many had heard, you know, the poem by the German priest. And they all just looked at me like, what? And I said, the Holocaust poem by the German priest. Right. Sure, <laughs> and exactly. Looking, looking at me, they had never heard this poem. I was like, wow. how is this? How is that how not? How is this possible? <laughs> how is that not mandatory? But right. I think so. I don't know. Maybe tonight on Facebook, I'll I'll try to find one of the that of that poem and I'll put it up there because um, that just speaks the truth of it, and 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 that's how it's supposed to always be. I think not just in America, but anywhere, but especially in America. Um, if we see someone else's rights violated, if we see an injustice happening, um, that we're supposed to stand up. And it, well, that's just because, it. You know, if you were to watch some young woman be drug off into a bush by a couple of, of rough guys, knowing something horrible was going to happen to her, and you don't do something about it, you might as well have just done it. And people don't necessarily get that, but it is a, a sin of omission is, is, is a powerful thing. And I think we've let too many injustices just happen. And this is one of the ways that we don't have to risk our own selves. Yes, I can understand you might be afraid to run after some guy that was about to harm a girl. Uh, you might get harmed yourself. But frankly, there's very little risk to somebody just coming to court or making a phone call or, 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 you know, writing a letter, there's almost no risk of harm to you. Um, no. And, and yet it's the same, you know, sitting idly by and watching something horrible happen is, is just not okay. And, you know, um, who's going to come for you? That's what it all comes yeah. down to. Yeah. If you don't stand up for your brother and sister beside you, you're next, buddy. It'll hit your family next. And if you don't think it will, and believe me, we take no joy in saying that it will because it didn't make me happy to see someone that I knew was very conservative now be in a place where they had a loved one who needed this because suffering will never, you know, it. I'll feel that suffering as much as I feel all the rest of the suffering, but it's an extra sadness because it, you want to just be like, man, that's what I was trying to tell you. <laughs> it could have been avoided. I know, but you know what, don't, you know, don't people like you can. and people like me, we, we don't worry about, that we go well you're here now and that's all that really matters it doesn't matter (laughs) what caused what what could have happened should have happened you know what 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 might have happened only thing that really matters is what is happening and you know what can we do today yeah let's get you that senate and house roster list and exactly because now you've got a story to tell and so you need to tell that story you need to go tell that exactly Now you have your voice. Well, Lisa, it is always a pleasure to to spot you on my board, and I doubt if I'll ever let you get away with just listening. And it's a joy to listen to your little girl in the background and just, um, 
you know, like I said, there's not a lot of inspiration I get from folks out there, but you're definitely one of my sources of inspiration. So, um, oh, just... I love you so much, Joe. I feel the same <laughs> way about you. You know what? We're like spiritual well, brother and sister. That's the truth. Exactly. Well, right, one well, day I'll get back out you. that way, and I just uh, look forward to meeting you in person one day. And meanwhile, you know, we just keep marching, and we keep doing what we need to do. And, uh, you yeah. know, I know we're going to be yeah. victorious. I look forward to the day when we can celebrate. Yep. Yes, it's going to be a hell of a party someday, brother. That's for sure. It will. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, that's Lisa Sublet with Bleeding Kansas, um, friend of the show and friend of uh, freedom everywhere, and uh, always a treat. All right, now up next we have Lisa Wooldridge, Vice President of the Human Solution International, and she's got a few things to say about membership. Lisa, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Joe. How are you? I am fantastic. How about yourself? I am good. I am out and about. I am uh, down at the laundromat with my mom, the 85-year-old. Hey, Mom, how are you doing um, today? Mom says hi. She actually can't hear you because I I walked outside because it's pretty noisy. Oh, okay. Well, just tell her I said hi. <laughs> I will. I will indeed. And the reason that she's able to do the laundry is because, is because of course, of the plants. And um, she had injured her shoulders back in October, and they gave her tramadol, and uh, they gave her some lorazepam and all kinds of stuff, and I was losing her. And so I gave her, I said, Mom, you know what we've got? You've got that oil. Take more. It'll help. So she started taking more oil, and the constipation was no longer an issue. The fact that she was... Uh, and a catatonic state was no longer an issue. She was hungry. She was moving. Her body, her bowels, everything was working again. So mom's been saved by cannabis not once but twice because she got re-injured, and we just went right back at it and put right, got her right back on the cannabis. The reason that I'm the membership person of the human solution is because exactly what the Lisa before me said. I want to make sure that everybody around me knows that it's available, that we all have access to it, and that's why I... That's why I joined the Human Solution. So the Human Solution is, is a bunch of volunteer people. And so when the ribbons are, are made and they're given to other people, somebody has to pay for those ribbons. We have membership cards that are really neat, and they say, hey, I'm a member of the Human Solution International. Somebody has to pay for those cards. We have a website, www.thsintl.org. Somebody has to pay for that. We have a fantastic membership. It's only $4.20 a month, $4.20, and it's real easy through PayPal. And if you hate PayPal, it's okay. It just goes right through there and does it anyway. You don't have to have PayPal. You can just use it. It's real easy. We've got a brand-new website. Becca has been working super, super hard. She's fine-tuning it, bringing it all up. It's going to be better. It's on WordPress now instead of Nation Builder where we were. Um, we got to get some real excitement here. We need everybody to join. So it's exciting that we call in, but we need everybody to have that card that says 420, and it's 420 a month. That's all. We're going to take it automatically. We're going to use it to buy ribbons. We're going to use it for the website. We're going to use it to buy brochures. We're going to, you know, use it for whatever the human solution is using it for, to keep people out of prison, to end prohibition. We're going to use it to do all that stuff. It's one thing to be excited about, you know, oh, the human solution, but somebody's got to pay the bills. So that's what we need you guys for. We need you to pay the bills, to help pay the bills. I'm paying mine. Everybody's got to pay theirs. Join it. It's 420. You can you can do it for more if you'd like. We'd love that. But 420 a month is all we're asking. 
on your third payment, you're going to get your shirt that says the Human Solution International. No matter what you do, we're going to give you your card. You're going to get your ribbon. We even have a membership that it's called the hard way. Unfortunately, we don't want those anymore. That's for people that are sitting in prison. They don't pay. We pay that dollar for them. So think of it that way. Sign up for a 420 membership. One of your dollars will go to pay for that person. So that's all I'm here for. I'm here to say, hey, we need your money. We need your help. If you really want to support, put your money where your mouth is. Also, check your cards, people, those, those little things, the expiration dates. If your card expires, your payment won't be counted. And then i got to stop, got to go in, get you a hold of you, get you to fix it. So um, we need you guys to pay a little bit more attention to that for us. That helps us out, helps us run more efficiently in what we're doing. And other than that, I'm here because I want to make sure that everybody has access to this medicine because it's tragic if they don't. I am a stage 3 cancer person. I'm here because of this medication. If it's available for everybody else, I know it will be available for me, and that's why I'm here. That's it. That's all i got to say. Well, that, that was some beautiful words, and I appreciate um, all of that. And it's all true. Um, you know, this is one of those things that, uh, you know, I hate to – I like to listen to uh, NPR sometimes. I hate to listen to the uh, pledge drive, and it goes on all day long, and everybody's trying to go, you know, we need your money, we need your money. Well, the human system doesn't do that, but every once in a while we like to remind you that we are a membership-driven organization, and um, we don't have a bunch of uh, funding that comes from any any uh, big benefactors. It's all just, um, you know, it doesn't take much to keep this company running, Um and it doesn't take much to do what we do. It's mostly people power. It's mostly, uh, it's just the human solution. But website costs a little bit, and the brochures cost a little bit, and you know the little things like making ribbons and and some of the things we do um, do have some expenses. So um, we're able to do it because of the generosity of folks that do want to help. And you know, frankly, I'd rather have somebody that wants to help volunteer um, and actually put some heart and time into it then, you know, uh, 10 bucks or 15 bucks, you know, for your year's dues. But at the end of the day, uh, if you don't have the ability or time or, or desire to go put, you know, some real hours in, that $15 or that 420 a month um, can help us do it for you. So, anyways, enough well, we of that. Are after, we are much. after bodies, though, too. We are after bodies. <laughs> so if anybody, if you, if you don't have that dollar, if you don't have that 10 or 15, you don't have that 420, I'll take your four four. 420 hours all day long. So if you want to be of assistance, if you want to be a help, just log on to the website or call in and Mary will take your name and number and we'll tell you how you can help if you don't have any, any money to do anything. That's okay too. Um, you know, before we had the 420, hey, that's why I volunteered because that's what you do. If you want to be a part of something, if you want to get on board, you raise your hand and you say, hey, I might not have a lot of cash in my pocket but I'm here to do what I can. And if you can't carry 50 pounds, that's okay. If maybe you can move a piece of paper or turn it to around to somebody and say, hey, can I have your signature that says we want to end prohibition now because Jeff Sessions is, in, is, is ignorant. We need to educate him. I'm all good with that. That's all it takes. We need more people, and we need more membership. So that's, that's all I'm after. Excellent. Well, I appreciate it. Once again, Lisa Wildridge, Vice President of the Human Solution International in the house and also our membership coordinator as it stands. <laughs> All right, Lisa, well, thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Joe. You too. Bye-bye. You bet. All right, up next we have Tom Corby, the amazing Tom Corby, uh, chapter coordinator of the NorCal chapter, one of the first and one of the 
basically uh, this man is a lion, a lion in the in the movement. Uh, I've seldom seen uh, somebody that I respect more and um, uh, that, that that has been willing to work as hard or maybe harder than I am. And uh, so for that, I bring you the amazing Tom Corby. Welcome to the show, Tom. Tom Corby, you are live on the air. Oh, no, we've done this before. Tom Corby, are you there? Uh, where are you, Tom? Come on, Tom. All right, well, I'm going to, let's see. Hell, I gave him the last 15 minutes of the show. Um, it's not often that I'm without words, but I had turned over the last of All right, well. We're going to leave the mic open for a couple of minutes and uh, just want to go through again and let everybody know that um, we're very grateful that this show is brought to you by the Coffee Party and the Coffee Party Radio Network. And the human solution is um, we're partners with the Coffee Party. They're an organization that uh, works to make change in a particular way, and um, we complement each other's efforts a lot, and we have been working together now for, shoot, a couple of years and we're starting to work closer together on a number of fronts. In fact, um, the Coffee Party has actually helped us to develop a uh, new logo, and it's about to be present on our new website. And, you know, I really want to take a couple of minutes to talk about the new website because we've got um, – it's really going to be <coughs> a, a more streamlined but more of a resource to more people. Uh, the old website had all kinds of um, information about some cases and prisoners and things that um, were constantly needing to be updated. And it was always very difficult to keep them updated because the, uh, you know, the information would change fairly constantly. And um, frankly, most of the people that were involved deeply in the prison outreach work um, had uh, gone on and done other things, done their own little projects. And so we determined that uh, as much as we absolutely support and um, are there for the prisoners and we still do have prison outreach, um, the ability to maintain a site <coughs> that tries to log all of the uh, cannabis prisoners and where they're at at any given time and how to do whatever um, was just really a monumental project, and it was almost impossible to keep it accurate. So we've instead... Um, you know, we've provided a lot of information about how to find prisoners, other resources, other organizations that are um, putting their effort into keeping those lists accurate. We absolutely um, encourage, um, you know, pen paling and uh, advocating for the prisoners. Um, we very much 100% support them, and we consider them to be our, um, you know, members the hard way. And we have several inmates that are on our advisory board, and, and you know, they're the ancestors yep. that we stand on their shoulders. Uh, looks like I got Tom Corby. Tom, you almost made me monologue the end of the show. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks, Joe. I happened to hit the high button. <laughs> ah, uh, yeah, we were trying. We were trying, but you made me start yapping again. So, anyways, you got the la you got the floor. All right, so I want to thank Joe and Mary, and always the Coffee Party Radio Show, and uh, Nick Moran, 
just arrived from Sacramento. He's been down with Mary Donnelly, our screener today. Uh, he uh, flew in from Michigan, where he's up there with his mom, Liz Joy. Uh, he has a, a trial readiness conference tomorrow. Also, Alex Lyons has a trial readiness conference tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. At the same time, that's kind of nice. We're going to have pretty good, solid court support. Uh, that's at number one Court Street right here in Oroville, California. Uh, Nick just told me uh, they've made him another. They're starting to throw plea deals, and they're making him a deal, uh, just one count cultivation. Uh, the usual uh, probation is, say, Nick, uh, 30 months probation. Three years. Uh, three years probation. Tully thinks he, he has a Tully. And Tully thinks he can get down to one year. And then uh, I, I believe that Tully will get to diversion. That's that wobbler dismissal, not a wobbler misdemeanor, which Joe will tell you, folks, you don't want to take that deal. Uh, Joe went back to, to jail twice uh, and fought, it, fought that uh, wobbler dismissal uh, misdemeanor, which screws you. Uh, so we always say local court support. Uh, it's so important, uh, no matter. And when we, when the juries finally pick, we'll come a long ways uh, for our defendants. Uh, I spent today with Eddie Lapp. It was his 61st, 65th birthday today. And Eddie's uh, after June 2nd, he'll be free to talk on the radio show, Joe, and he's going to get with you. Uh, he's so grateful. Yes, he's so grateful for all the support he got through the years, his seven and a half years in federal prison with the letters that the Human Solution International uh, wrote and on coral links with him. Uh, also, Yeah, I uh, had many, many conversations with Eddie when he was locked up. <clears throat> right, well, yes, and... Uh, uh, also, are we, if we're not, we're going to have a radio show next week. I got Eric Pierce coming on at 8:30 a.m. Uh, that's that motion to recuse his PD marshal on a competency that they made him a deal. Here's a deal. Uh, uh, they would drop all the charges and just charge him with uh, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, which is a misdemeanor, by the way, now. Uh, to which, of course, he says no deal. Uh, so uh, Pierce, that's next uh, next um, uh, next week, Wednesday, uh, May 31st at 8:30 a.m. Uh, so it should be an interesting week up here in Northern California, Butte County, where we set huge precedents. Uh, the word avocation is huge. Uh, we advocate not only with our defendants, but with the PDs and our attorneys to make sure they stay in line and there's no plea bargaining. Uh, we always come with a 995 dismissal and probable cause search. Uh, I want to thank you all today uh, for a great show. Uh, uh, also that I am a veteran. Uh, I've been using cannabis for 50 years. And believe me, it helps me with my PTSD. Uh, it keeps me motivated. It gives me an overwhelmed feeling of well-being. Uh, shout out to uh, Marine 
Chris Lewandowski for standing strong. We wish him the best of luck trial coming up. I want to thank you all today. Come join us. Help you the solution to end prohibition at the Human Solution International dot org. Thank you all today. Well, thank you so much, Tom Corby. It's funny. uh, Some weeks we go a little long. Some weeks we go a little short. Sometimes we end right on time. Looks like today we're going to cut it a couple of minutes short. And as far as next week's show, um, as long as I have some riveting guests, I will do a live show. Um, So if you want to be a guest on this show and you want to be part of it, uh, if you have a topic that you think is important that uh, you want people to to hear, you have a guest that you think that uh, would want to have their story told, um, I welcome. I welcome everybody to be part of it. Um, You can contact me. This is my personal phone number, uh, 951-436-6312. Give me a call. Let me know you want to do the show, and uh, we will schedule a show for next week. I uh, appreciate everybody that's been a part of this. I appreciate everybody who has in any time decided to be a part of the human solution. And I thank everybody who is part of this show, and I will hopefully see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. You were always on my 